Hello and welcome to Artsy Fartsy Immigrants. This is episode 70. I am coming to you once again solo. This is Jordan Prince speaking. Unfortunately, our co-host and producer Moritz uh, has fallen quite ill this week. Uh, We're very sad to hear that. I'm very sad to hear that. Um, So I'm going to do number 70 alone this week, but I will be keeping in touch with Mo, and I'm sure everything will be fine. Um, He was just hit pretty heavy in the middle of the night with a sickness. Uh, He's in the bed, and so I'm going to lay this one out solo today. And our hearts are with you, Mo. We hope you get better real soon. We miss you. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to come at you on the fly with this one. This episode, you know, it could be 30 minutes long. It could be an hour. I'm not sure. I'm going to wing it today. I'm a little bit unprepared. I'm not going to lie. But I think this kind of brash honesty with artsy-fartsy immigrants is kind of what makes it what it is, you know, when you're speaking from the heart. And first thing I want to say is thank you to the handful of people who reached out Uh, to me after last week's episode, it was kind of a funny balance, um, I guess, for a lot of people, because I had this one episode um, where I complained about the driver's license. That was like one of my last solo episodes. And I complained about, (laughs) I complained about the driver's license for the entire episode. And we had like some really positive responses and a couple of negative ones, as you will with anything you create. And, you know, it was, for me, it was like a really entertaining, really fun episode to do. And I felt like I was funny and it felt exciting to show it to people and to tell people about it. And I got some great, um, messages back about that one. And then, you know, like the next solo one that I do is the previous episode, number 69. Nice. And it was a very, it was way more heavy handed. It was much more of a serious episode. And, Maybe it makes sense to explain kind of what I was going through. I think for podcasting, it's most important when you feel totally free to say anything. That's kind of the reason why we decided to do this in the first place, to express feelings about, you know, immigration and creativity and to talk to people who, you know, have these stories and these adventures and these paths they've taken and to let them unravel and take this pressure off their shoulders, you know, with us. And that last episode, you know, we ha- I had some nice messages come in where people were maybe a little bit concerned about how I came off. And I definitely want you to know that everything's cool. And I've gotten some really lovely advice from some people that I care about very much. And, you know, it's, um, I think it's still, you know, it's something that i am looking at very seriously in terms of how to, how to change my, you know, it's better phrased as like, I am (laughs) taking, man, off to a great start. Um, looking how to change my relationship to the music industry in a serious way. That's, that's what my focus is. I think maybe some people might've taken away that I want to completely quit or that I want to, you know, completely stop um, enjoying the idea of being a musician. And that's not the case. And maybe there were some things I said that would easily lead someone to believe that. 
But um, you know where I stand now is that I just read read. Damn it! I really need to take this relationship to the music uh, industry uh, serious, and I need to take this change that I want to approach it with seriously. Um, But, you know, I have some people, even since I released that episode, I've had some people who wrote me saying that they want to, you know, collaborate on something. They want to, you know, like record something together or um, collaborate on something or, you know, hey, a friend of mine in the States has a job to write a a jingle for a company. Maybe, Maybe I can write the jingle with him. And then another person wants to do um, a live video where we sing together. And, you know, I'm, I'm definitely going to do these things. I'm definitely going to do them. And I look forward to them. And I have a lot of fun doing them. And I, I think I could, never, I could never stop, you know, having fun with music. You know, that's the whole reason I got into it is because it is very expressive and it's very fun. And it's a, it's a beautiful thing. So just wanted to get that out of the way that it's, you know, I sounded really heavy on the last one because it is a heavy thing to think about. And I, you know, I was right in the throes of it. I had no time to, to, to simmer. I had no time to put it in the pot and let it cook for a while before I approached the microphone. So that was very raw. And um, I definitely don't regret doing it that way. I think that's the beautiful thing about podcasting. But I think it was also important to come in on this one and just touch on it and say that... Um, you know, for for that small group that really likes what I'm doing, I'm not going to just, you know, not do it anymore. I might just make more of a focus on things that make me happy and help pay the bills. Because you know what? We gots to pay them bills, player. We gots to pay them bills, man. It's what keeps the roof over our heads. And we got to do it. Um, so I've... Since I released that episode, I did find out that way more people um, in America listen to this episode, listen to this show, sorry, than I thought. Um, Because I know that most of our listeners are in Europe, and I found out there's a few more that listen in the States than I thought uh, after getting some messages about that episode. And one cool thing about knowing that now is that I can happily share a few more stories um, that I, that I do on my, on my, come on, Jordan, come on, on my radio show on Sundays. Um, so for those who haven't tuned in before, this is, this is definitely not how we normally do the show. Um, but I'll just do a little reminder that, um, I have this radio show on Sundays from 10 AM to 1 PM on Ego FM. And you can listen to it, you know, on the station or on um, the live streamer website, whatever. And usually I pick a theme. And last week's, of course, was Mother's Day. And I told all these great stories about my mom. And that was a lot of fun. And on the serious artsy-fartsy episode that I'm talking about, I told a few of them at the very end to lighten the mood a little bit. And what I thought I could do... Um, for this one, maybe because I'm kind of on the fly with it, is to um, just, you know, tell a few more stories about the, from the new episode coming this Sunday, the 16th of May, to try and just, I don't know, bring, bring some stories that the people in the States can't hear yet. You know, the unfortunate thing about this radio show is that 
they don't put the recorded shows into in Germany they call it the Mediatek, the media media library, the Mediatek. They don't have it in there. I, I wonder if that's connected to Discotech. Mediatek Discotech. There probably is some relationship there. Um but they don't have it on there yet, which really stinks because I thought they were going to do that like months ago. I, my first episode was February 7th and woo, woo, I'm yawning on the mic, baby. That's a, that's a golden Easter egg right there for the true fans. And I don't know why they haven't put it on there yet, but I'm hoping that they, I'm hoping that they do that eventually. I mean, they told me they were going to do that after five or six shows when I got warm, and now it's going to be May 16 next week, or this week, and you know what? I think I'm pretty warm. I think I'm pretty warm. Pretty warm. I'm sorry about this email that keeps going off. I'm trying to, you know, I'm just going to close the tab. Uh, usually this is, that's the emails that I keep open because sometimes, usually they're urgent, but you know, I am recording a show, so I could keep it down. So anyway, the point is I want to share some of these stories because you won't get to hear them if you live in America. So let me look here at this list I made for the radio show and pick a good one to start off with. Um, oh, here's a good one. So when I was... 14 years old, I think, 13 or 14, I remember that I was um, I was going to Kossuth High School. And this little southern town high school did something pretty unique, pretty, pretty exciting, which, um, it, you know, in retrospect, looking back, I'm pretty impressed that they did this. But they collected the money from parents to fund a field trip for my class to New York City. And sometimes I forget that I did that. I Honestly, to think about where I came from, to think about, sorry, bump the table, to think about this little town um, deciding to drive in these mega buses all the way up to New York is pretty crazy. It's um at the time I I think I wasn't so shocked by the idea itself. I was more shocked about the adventure I was about to undertake, but now that I'm older and I can look back that's pretty pretty impressive um idea. I, I don't know whose idea it was. I don't know if we all if there was like a vote or something. I don't know. But somehow this this um field trip, uh, this huge field trip came up. I think we were gone for a, a whole week if I'm not mistaken. And so it was wild. They, they basically, they put us into these two, um, these two mega buses and you're with your whole class and you could sleep in there. And, you know, it's just this wild moment when your parents giving you some money. My mom, <laughs> my mom, um, you know, obviously was scared about me losing my money or, or, you know, losing my stuff, getting robbed, you know? So she's like, Here's he, Jordan, here's pants with zippers on the front pocket. Always keep your wallet and your phone in your front pocket with the zipper zipped because somebody is going to come up to you and they're going to ask you for directions or they're going to bump into you and they're going to steal your wallet. And I was, of course, terrified. I was like paranoid of everybody that wasn't immediately, you know, in my class. So I kept that zipper zipped, baby. It worked, you know, I never got stolen. 
and it was crazy. I, I remember little bits and pieces of the drive up there, but I don't remember any of the drive back. I just remember that on the way there, and this was probably a rumor. I don't know if this was completely true, but I do know that one kid gave another kid a hand job under a blanket in the back seat. And I thought, at that age, I thought, oh my God, that's so risky. That's so crazy. Oh, I'm so jealous. Oh my God. Oh. And now here I am at 30 and I think that's absolutely disgusting because first off, ew, ew. Second of all, ew again. What are you going to do with the blanket? How, what it, like, ew, there's someone, wasn't there someone sitting next to you? What if you got busted? What if the teacher saw? Okay, that sounds a little lame for me to wonder what would happen if the teacher saw, but still, what would happen if the teacher saw? That's disgusting. Ew. But, allegedly that happened. And the hotel, I think we stayed in New Jersey because it was probably cheaper and a little safer. And I know that we crossed a bridge every day to get into the main city, so that, that's why I think we stayed in New Jersey. Maybe not. And anyway, very reliable narrator. The point is, we got to New York, and um, there's this one pretty incredible thing that happened that I will really never forget. So, you know, we went around to all the famous historical national landmarks there. Of course, we went to the Statue of Liberty, which was an amazing day. We went to, um, you know, City Park. We went to the Empire State Building. And it was really, really incredible to see all this. And oh, we went to Ground Zero, you know. Yeah, it must have been like 2003 or four. So it was post 9-11 and uh, we got to see Ground Zero. That was pretty humbling. And, you know, it's crazy to see the, the scale and the mass of the city. And I would just, I was just blown away that, that our teachers from Mississippi took us to New York. It's just, uh, it's crazy. Um, anyway, so we went to the Empire State Building and I think my mom still has these photos somewhere in her basement, I hope. But I remember going to the Empire State Building and looking out at that top railing. And if you've seen Sleepless in Seattle, then it looks a lot like that. It's basically exactly that. It's just this flat platform with a couple of doors that let you out. And then they have these tall, tall, tall fences with like hooked railings so that nobody can jump or fall. And I remember like putting my arms through the fence and taking like a million pictures with this Polaroid camera or with this little um, like digital Kodak camera, taking a gazillion photos. And then... Finally, they said that we have to go back down and get on the bus. So we we start piling down, and as I get to the front door where this big elevator is, um, I hear someone, one of the teachers, or you know, this like rumor through the students that uh, this one girl Morgan is missing. And so, of course, I got a little panicky. And I wondered, oh, well, maybe um, she's still in the building and um, I don't want to go back and look for her and then the bus leave and then I'm stuck here. And what if I'm stuck in New York forever? How did Kevin from Home Alone do it? Well, his family was rich and he had an uncle who had a house there and that's how he could prank and kill the robbers. I didn't have any of that. If I got lost in New York, I would die. How am I supposed to survive? I can't, I, I can't be, I, well, I, I, can't, well, I would be homeless. I would never find my way out of 
I would if you threw me as a 13 year old country boy into the into the streets of New York and abandoned me there, I would never make it out. I would never make it out. They would eat me alive. They would eat me alive like the chubby little pork boy that I was. Okay, let's just be honest. Anyway, looking for Morgan, right? Where is she? Where is she? Where is she? And so I went back into the main room with the elevator. And you guys should probably know that at this point in my life, I had a crush on every single girl that wasn't such an asshole to me. An asshole to me. If it was a nice girl, I was basically in love with her. Um, and Morgan was definitely one of those girls. I thought she was very beautiful and she was very nice to me. And uh, yeah, big crush, big crush. She finally comes out of the elevator and just for a moment there, just for a minute, it's just me and Morgan alone in the Empire State Building in New York City. Mm. And, and check this, man. We decide that somehow spontaneously, I don't know how this started. Maybe I was humming it. Maybe she was humming it. I don't know. But we decided to sing Hey Jude by the Beatles together. One of us was humming it. The other one said, oh, that is that Hey Jude? Oh, I love the Beatles. And so we were there alone, Empire State Building going, na, 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 na. Wait, no, that's not it. No, no, that's not it. That's the other one. (laughs) That's the other one. This was a na 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 (laughs) na. Oh my god. And we were singing that in the Empire State Building together. And in my dream, we were holding hands, but we probably weren't. And then we ended up back on the sidewalk, and then we were we got back on the bus, and everyone was safe and happy and fine. I remember seeing the the Tom's restaurant from Seinfeld. The Germans out there might not know it so well, but in America, it's a national landmark, Seinfeld. It's a national treasure. And what was the last thing? Oh, yeah, well, the hotel situation was crazy um, because you had like a hallway for the girls and like a hallway for the boys. And of course, I didn't know where the teachers were at any moment. I don't even remember seeing any teachers on this trip. Like, I don't know. I know they were with us all the time in the street and stuff, but I don't remember even who took us. I don't even remember what they looked like, what their names were, nothing. And in the hotel, I really don't remember seeing them ever. I know that they said like, stay in your rooms. And then they just went to their room and they probably just passed out from transporting you know, 80 kids or something to New York from Mississippi. I don't even know how these teachers did that. And, um, but in the hotel, you had these rooms. And of course, the girls and the boys would play pranks on each other. It was exciting. You were in New York, New Jersey, and you had this huge hotel, you know, motel one to kind of hang out with together. And like, it's just so exciting when you're that young. Everything's like, you know, this giant journey, you know, everything's just this exciting thing. And the really scary thing for me was I must have been, I must have been more like 12 or 13. I don't know if I was 14 yet. I must have been like just around 12 or 13, which is really young to make a big trip like that. Um, Because the funny thing was 
this is really embarrassing, but this is the truth of RC Fartsy immigrants. And that is still like once every now and then, once every now and then, up until about that age, about 12, I'd still sometimes wet the bed. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. And I've already thought it, and I've already done it to myself, and I've already judged myself, and I've already forgiven myself, and I've already moved on. Sometimes kids just wet the bed a little longer than they're supposed to, and you know, it's all right, it's fine, it's okay, it doesn't mean anything, it's not some bigger story there. No, but seriously, it was super embarrassing, and my mom was really cool and supportive about it. You know, of course they wish I would have stopped when I was like seven, but you know, what are you going to do? I just couldn't. I just couldn't get out of bed. I just couldn't get up. I just couldn't wake up to go do it. And the nights that I did wake up to go do it was like heaven. Oh my God. When I would wake up to go pee, and then I would go back to a dry bed and wake up in the morning with a dry bed. Are you kidding me? When you first do that as a kid, it's an incredible feeling. It's amazing. It's amazing, really. Like when you're just sick and tired of wetting the bed and then you finally don't do it and you didn't even try, you just naturally don't do it. Oh man, it's incredible. It's like the best feeling ever. It's the best feeling ever. And I was so scared when I went to New York that I was going to wet the bed because I had to share hotel beds. With dudes in my class, there was someone sleeping in this, like this double bed next to me, and I had to share the bed with another student. I don't remember who. And, um, you know, there was this nightmare situation where I was in the bed and I was hiding, hiding like a kind of diaper under my underwear. <sighs> and <laughs> I was so scared. I was so scared that the guys in the class would find out because, man, if these, you know, if these 12-year-old boys found out that I was wearing a diaper on our trip to New York in middle school, I would have... I would have volunteered that they leave me on the streets of New York to die. I would have happily said like, adios class, I'll see you never. And then just let the homeless rip me in pieces. Oh man, that would have been so awful. But my mom was cool because she was like, you know what? You, you know, you got to be safe here. You don't want to wet the bed there. You got to wear the diaper, but here like wear this underwear and then do these pajama pants and then like just do it right before you get in bed so you can just like hop on over to the sheets and this moment came where I had done that and it, the, the coast was clear. No one checked on me in the bathroom. No one played any pranks. No one pulled my pants down. I just got in the, I got in the sheets and it was like time to go to bed. And I was like, cool, cool, cool. And all the boys were like, you know, we had this adjoining room with the, with more boys and they were all like playing around. And of course I wanted to do that too, but I was so scared that they would notice that I had the diaper. So I just stayed there and pretended that I was like boring. And then somewhere in the middle of the night, a bunch of us boys got woken up by a group of the girls who had somehow smuggled a key into the boys' room, and they came in and they pranked everybody by, like, covering all of our faces in shaving cream or something. I th I'm pretty sure it was shaving cream. I don't think they had, like... In my <laughs> in my memory, it's like one of those cream-filled pies that the Three Stooges have, like... And you just wake up like that, and you're, you know, wiping crust off your eyes. But I, 
I'm pretty sure it was just shaving cream. That's the only logical thing that I could imagine they would bring with them. Maybe it was whipped cream. Maybe they, maybe they had some cool whip. I don't know. But they pulled a prank on us, and then I got so scared because I woke up in the night. There were people standing over me, standing over my face in the bed and laughing. I woke up in the middle of the night with girls from my class whom, reminder, I was in love with them all, and they were standing over me laughing. I guess you can imagine where my head went. I freaked out that they had somehow noticed that I had a diaper on, and I panicked. Oh boy, did I panic. And I'm really glad, I'm really glad that I just panicked, you know, inwardly. And I just kind of went like, <laughs> what's up guys? <laughs> and just sweating, 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 sweating. And like felt this whipped cream on my face. And I looked around, saw whipped cream on some other boys' faces. And was like, oh, okay, <laughs> you guys are just playing pranks. That's great. <laughs> Please don't pull my pants down and find out that I'm wearing a diaper. Please don't. It's okay. It looks like you're not going to do that. It looks like you're not going to do that. That's really cool. Uh, I love this whipped cream joke. How did you girls get in here? <laughs> okay, you smoke with a key from one of the boys. <laughs> oh, I'm so cool and normal. <laughs> I'm invisible. I'm invisible. That's basically where my brain was going the whole time. But New York was great. You know, nothing happened. Nothing dangerous happened. Um... Everything was really fun. I bought a lot of dumb stuff. I'll tell you that. I went to Chinatown and bought a bunch of dumb stuff. I bought this like plastic samurai sword that fell apart instantly. I bought a New York poster that I had on my wall for a couple years. Um, I got some dinky trinkets of like the Empire State Building and the Statue of Liberty and stuff. Like I don't, I didn't know what to get. I you know I got like an I Love New York T-shirt <laughs> original. I just didn't get anything cool or unique or special, but still, you know, I was a dumb kid who was just worried about being busted with a diaper. So, you know, what am I supposed to do? Um, you know, I didn't have the highest intuition and my brain was quite distracted. So very fun trip. I think it was about a week long, I want to say. And, uh, yeah, we got back safely and, uh, that was a really crazy trip, a really fun trip. Um, as you can probably imagine, this story is summarized in about two and a half minutes on Sunday's Sunday show. So I'm glad that I have the ability to, to expand it here. What a crazy trip, man. That was just such a wild, a wild thing to do. And it was so different going back. I went to New York again when I was in college, uh, a couple of times, and it was always a very different experience from that one. I mean, when you go as a little kid, um, you know, everything is so shiny and big and, you know, your neck is hurting because you're just looking up at the skyscrapers and it's so crazy. And, you know, the magnitude of everything is just overwhelming and you feel so small and everything's just like this grand adventure and everything's life or death and big and now. And then when you go older, when you go in your 20s, you know, and you can, um, you know, you can walk around with like a couple of beers and you have like a, some chill friends who are, you know, maybe from New York and you can just you know, have a more relaxed adventure around, well, then it's, then it's much more different. Then it's much cooler. You know, um, I, I remember going in my twenties with a couple of friends from school and we went to, um, the natural history museum. We saw the dinosaurs. That's like such a cool thing that I always wanted to see. 
I think there's another museum in New York that has like a life-size whale replica hanging from the ceiling. And I didn't see that before, but I would love to see that. Yeah, we did that and um, visited my friend's parents. Um, I think they were in Long Island. I'm not totally sure. I'll have to ask. Um, but yeah, just a really cool time. And when you, yeah, when you go in your twenties, it's just more relaxed. But that, that, that trip and when I was 12 or so was just like, wow, crazy. And I have a few more, like I have a few more, um, trips on here. I could, could talk about. I remember, well, when I was a kid, when I was, when I was a little kid, uh, I want to say maybe between, seven and 11, something like that. My mom, my mom would often, not, not every weekend, but she would often, um, take me and, or me and Bruce, my brother to Tupelo, Mississippi on Saturday mornings. Sometimes we did this, right? And, and in my memory, it was often, but maybe it wasn't even that often. Maybe it was just like once a month. I don't know. But still we would go occasionally to Tupelo, Mississippi. It's about an hour's drive South from where we grew up. And it's just this bigger town, like this bigger city. It's actually where I was born. It's where Elvis Presley was born too. And it's, it's cool, you know, compared to like compared to the cities I'm talking about on here, it's obviously not comparable, but it's just, you know, it's, it's got more to offer than the town I grew up in. It's just the, you know, it's just the next biggest city and it's got, um, you know, like huge shopping malls and huge warehouses and, and, and stores and shops and, um, food courts and arcades and cinema. And it's got everything. It's really cool. And for a kid like me, it was my favorite place to go. I loved going to Tupelo on Saturdays. I loved it. I always look forward to it. And one of my favorite tricks that I tried to pull off that I don't think ever worked one time when I was a kid was on Saturday mornings, I would wake up really early, like maybe six or seven. And I would get dressed up really nice or what I thought would be like really nice, like city clothing. You know, I would dress up in um, maybe khaki pants or, um, you know, I don't know, maybe some nice clean shorts and like a button up shirt. And I would just try and look my finest. I would just try and look as nice and neat and clean and buttoned and showered and fresh as I could. Because I thought that if I come downstairs looking ready for the city, somehow my mom might get inspired and say like, oh, you look so excited to go to Tupelo today. Well, what do you know? I've got time. Let's go do it. Let's go to the arcade that you spend all my money at. <laughs> Let's go to the food court so you can have seven slices of Sabaro pizza. And obviously that just about never worked. I think it, oh, I got a doorbell. Hold on guys. All right. I am back and it was a shipment of underwear because... Somebody out there heard me talking about my diaper problem and thought, here you go, champ. You can cover up those 30-year-old male diapers that you're clearly still wearing because you still wet the bed. Thank you. Thank you so much. Anyway, so, yeah, I used to dress up as a kid on Saturday mornings to try and get... I, I wanted to go to Tupelo, but you know, the big thing was... 
I wanted to go to Tupelo, but the big thing was I wanted to get out of doing these Saturday morning chores. Man, oh man, my dad always had a laundry list of terrible chores to do outside, especially in the summer. And I mean, of course, I learned a lot and yada, yada, yada. Of course, it was good for me and it humbled me. Yada, yada, yada. It was good to work with my hands. It's nice to be out in the sunlight because you got fresh air and you got some sun on your skin. Yada, yada, yada. I wanted to go to Tupelo. I wanted to be in the arcade. I wanted to eat that delicious, priceless Sabaro pizza. But instead... My dad would be at the bottom of the stairs and he would just see me dressed up and go like, oh, nope, nope, turn around, turn around, put on a t-shirt and some shorts, come meet me outside, we gotta dig some holes and fill them up, we gotta cut some trees and grow some new ones, and you're gonna mow the lawn today, and you're gonna dig a garden, and we're gonna go under the house with flashlights and, you know, knock off the cobwebs, and we're gonna replace that pipe, and we're gonna hang up the new shingles on the roof, and we're gonna do some new vinyl siding on the side, and oh, we're gonna build a tree house, and oh, we're gonna go feed the horses, and oh, you gotta go, you know, you gotta go uh, put down a new electric fence, and you're gonna have to uh, roll around in the dirt, and you're gonna have to, uh, you know, lay concrete, you gotta go ahead and help me lay some concrete here, son, you know, you're gonna have to help me do it, and no one else is gonna help me do it, and you're gonna have to go make sure that this and that is good and ready and done, and yeah, yeah, it was okay, it was fine for me, I should have done it, it was good for me to do it, and uh, I just really wanted to go to Tupelo, but it never worked, as far as I can remember, I don't think it ever worked. Um, but yeah, that was a big thing. I really wanted to get out of chores. <clears throat> really wanted to get out of those chores. Um, I think I'll do... Let's see here. I think I'm going to do... Oh, I can, oh, yeah, I can do this story. This is a good one. So um, I don't know how old I was. I, I know my mom is going to remember this, but... When I was a kid, I keep, I feel like I say that all the time, but just a lot of things happen when you're a kid, you know? But I don't know how old I was at all, but I know that I was old enough to still have, there were still VHS tapes, if that means anything. So we didn't take a lot of vacations when I was a kid. I don't remember going, I mean, we never went to like Disneyland um, or like Universal Studios or didn't really drive like across the country too much or anything as a kid. But there was this one vacation that sticks in my mind. And I wanted to talk about it on this, uh, this weekend's radio show because the whole theme is about traveling around and stuff. So this really came to mind, but it was, I was really young. My brother was still living at home and maybe he was like 12. Maybe I was like eight. Maybe I was, I don't know. Maybe I was six and he was 10. I'm not, I don't know. But we got, oh, Jordan, get to the point. We got in the car and we drove to North Carolina. Drove to Asheville, North Carolina, because we wanted to look at the Biltmore Estate. I I don't know if that was the number one reason why we went. I have a feeling it's a big enough of an attraction to like go somewhere to see that thing because it's so crazy. But I don't know. I guess that was the main reason why we went. But I have a few select memories that stick out from that trip. One of them is these, like this beautiful 
you know, rolling hills of auburn, brown, yellow, orange, red leaves. North Carolina has this beautiful foliage. It's got beautiful foliage. And you got to go out there and you got to see it for yourself. I remember being on this curvy uphill road and looking out the backseat window as a kid does and probably holding my Game Boy, (laughs) playing Super Mario Land and looking out the window and seeing, um, yeah, just seeing these just rolling hills of, of beautiful, beautiful trees. And my parents even acknowledging it and being like, look at those trees. Look at that beautiful foliage. And the other the next memory that I remember is when we got to this bed and breakfast. Now, my mom, I know she's going to write me. She's going to correct me. Either it was a Turkish lady or it was a French lady. But I'm going to go with it was a French lady running this bed and breakfast. And the funny thing was we really <laughs> this sounds kind of bad, but we didn't really have fruit for breakfast growing up. I mean, it's not like a huge surprise to anybody that knows me. I mean, I've talked about this chocolate gravy breakfast that, you know, like we, you know, my breakfast was normally cereal, which I still love cereal. I still have cereal in my apartment. Um, but we also, you know, my dad would do like scrambled eggs. My mom would make like sausages, uh, sausages, bacon, eggs, you, you know, like just, uh, fried bologna. I used to have some fried bologna sandwiches with the egg on them. It was just, I don't know, just a bit more like Southern food. You know, we didn't have like fruit. Like, um, we didn't have, I don't know. It just wasn't like part of the, wasn't part of a daily breakfast for us. And I remember that this bed and breakfast lady made fruit parfaits for breakfast for us one day. And I'm pretty sure that nobody in my family liked it. My mom might've liked it, but I know that me and my brother were like, ugh, fruit for breakfast. And I know that my dad probably really didn't like it. He's not big on, he's not big on like, (laughs) he's not big on plants. (laughs) He's just not big on plants at all. Um, I mean, I don't know what, with fruit, maybe it was different back then, but I know he's not a big veggie guy, but we had uh, yeah, fruit parfaits. And I know that we, we really had kind of a tough time, like putting on a smile for this lady, like, mmm, this is great. Thank you so much. <laughs> wow. Fruit. Mm, so cold too. Mm. There's nothing like, mm? there's nothing like cold, acidic oranges. First thing after brushing your teeth. Mm, mm, mm. Oh, is that an unpeeled apple? That's great. Thank you so much. Mm, is this yogurt? Wow, plain, huh? That's great. Just for a kid, it's kind of like, ugh, you know, unless you grow up with it. Unless you trick a kid into thinking that fruit is like a dessert surprise. I mean, I've seen kids at this elementary school that I worked at in Munich, and they think that apples and oranges are like chocolate cake. You know, their parents have tricked them into thinking like, oh, oh, Mr. Prince, um, do you mind if we, if we split this orange? I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? I don't care. I don't care. Why do you even, like, there's chocolate right here. Why do you want this orange? But when you don't grow up with it and then you have it, it's kind of weird. So I remember that. And then I also remember, um, the entertainment in that place. There was an upstairs where we stayed I remember, I remember it was a white room and there was an old TV in there and we wanted to watch something. And I think 
the main entertainment they had was this library of VHS tapes. So I think I went down there with my mom and we got some Three Stooges VHS tapes. And we watched the Three Stooges and that was really fun. And I remember really liking that. But that's what I think. And in my memory now, I love the Three Stooges, but maybe in the time I complained. I don't know. But I remember watching that. And then, of course, the main attraction, I don't know if that was the next day or, you know, I just have like some scattered memories of this trip. But then, of course, we got to the Biltmore Estate. And that's really a spectacle. I mean, if you've never been to North Carolina at all, first off, there's that beautiful foliage. But if you can get up to Asheville, you should really check out the Biltmore Estate. It's really crazy. And there's this funny connection story to that. First, I'll just explain the Biltmore Estate a little bit. It is this enormous mansion in North Carolina, and it has many, many hundreds of rooms, many floors. It has, you know, it's crazy. There's a bowling alley inside, and it has, um, it's like, I don't know, it's kind of like if the Queen's Castle got Americanized a little bit, and it has like this these huge rolling greens and fountains in the front and statues. And just Google it, the Biltmore Estate. You know, probably if you live in the States, you've heard about it. Um, and if you can, you should check it out. It's really crazy. But so there's, you know, there's kind of a connecting story to this, like describing this Biltmore Estate. And that is when my parents came to Germany in 2018 we all decided it would be really fun to show my family the Neuschwanstein castle in Bavaria. And for those who don't know, the Neuschwanstein is an extremely famous castle in Bavaria, the the most famous castle in Bavaria. And it's actually the castle that they've um, designed the Disney castle off of because it's so fantastical and has all these peaks and high rises and towers and stuff. And it's, it's the Disney castle, but real life. And it was built by King Ludwig II, and he is an extremely interesting guy and built all these castles and was politically very liberal and mysteriously died in this lake, you know, and it's really interesting guy. And like long story short about this castle, it's just, it's just unbelievable. I mean, it's just the, you know, (laughs) it's like being back in New York as a 12 year old. It's just the magnitude of this thing is unbelievable. It's, um... You know, there's full orchestra rooms. There's one room, one room that was just a real cave, like a like a stalactite, stalagmite, like dripping calcium cave. That blew me away. There's all these private rooms and secret trap doors and secret stairways for all the you know the servers and stuff to go around without him ever having to see them. And um, after, I mean, after a really annoying um, time getting into the castle with all these tourists and stuff, and it was raining. It ended up being just a beautiful experience, and I was really happy to be there. It was really crazy. And then we finally got to the end. We got to the gift shop, and Efi goes over to my dad, (laughs) and she says, you know, we had really thought this was, like, gonna wow my parents. Like, we thought this would just, like, you're in a, a European castle of this magnitude, you know, with all this mystery behind it and all this lore. What do you think of Neuschwanstein, Joel? And my dad goes, well, 
You know, uh, yeah, it's okay, but you know, I don't know if you ever saw the Biltmore State in North Carolina. I mean, that one's real cool. It's got a bowling alley. It's got a swimming pool. That's, that's a real cool one. And we just, our jaws just hit the floor. Hit the floor. Jaws drop. Turn the sirens on. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Build more. Bowling alley. Who cares? Look where you are. Look at this place. We thought this was going to shock them. Uh, and my dad was just like, oh, yeah, yeah. His arms crossed. Uh, you know, uh, I didn't have a bowling alley, that's for sure. Like, what do you, what do you want? It's like a 900-year-old, I don't even know how old, thousands of years old um, castle, man. Crazy. The Biltmore is worth going to see, but come on, how can you compare that? I'm trying to think of a better comparison. It's like going into the Empire State Building. Yeah, it's like going into the Empire State Building and then being like, uh, it's not that impressive, there's not a bowling alley. <laughs> <laughs> or like going up into the Great Pyramid, one of the Great Pyramids, and looking at the Sphinx and being like, I mean, it's pretty cool, but there's no bowling alley. You know, it's just like, dude, read the room. Crazy. So crazy. Yeah, and, you know, I, I brought this up. You know, I, I was going to do this... Um, I was going to do this entire episode. I am doing this whole episode on Sunday about traveling and stuff because I wanted to kind of remind people of, you know, things to hopefully come back and things that were in terms of vacationing and traveling and getting around with your family and your friends and seeing new places and, you know, eating new food and having that new, that, that new smell, the new smell of a new city that like, or, you know, being near a beach and having that salty wind in your mouth and your hair. And, and it's just, oh man, I miss that so much. And I really, I know that everyone does. So I wanted to do a show talking about traveling and different places I'd been to. And, you know, I was really lucky just before everything shut down to go to Rome, Italy before, um, like right at New Year into 2020, that was just a really incredible, really incredible journey, and you know, so beautiful. And um, was you know lucky enough to go to Africa in 2018, you know, to go to Tanzania and Zanzibar, and that was also just you know like a once in a lifetime thing. And I really, I really hope one day I can go back and experience that again, and to see New York and North Carolina. Lucky enough to you know. Of course, have lived in, you know, Louisiana and Mississippi, but to see also like Texas and, you know, go go visit Kentucky, see my cousin at, you know, Kentucky Lake and fish there with, you know, with your jeans rolled up and you're barefoot in the water, you know, slinging, sling, slinging lines out to catch fish. And um, one time I went to go visit my cousin there and we basically stole his dad's golf cart and drove it around the backyard and went downhill so fast that we flipped over. Thankfully, we weren't injured, but my Uncle Kenny was pretty angry about that one. And yeah, I just, I guess I just wanted to remind people that, you know, there are, you know, 
it's a time where everything's weird and we miss this stuff a lot, but you know, that stuff will come back and you will be able to travel like normal. And, you know, I do plan to see my parents this year. They're going to thankfully be able to come here. And then we have this goal to go back to America at least two months of the year, starting next year and see New Orleans again, see Tennessee and, um, you know, see my brother and, um, really excited about that a lot just to kind of get back to some little semblance of normalcy. I've got my second vaccination coming up in two weeks, a little less than two weeks now. Very excited about that. And yeah, finally we'll, it should be like feeling a little more normal again. And I, I think I'm going to end the show with one more story, which is just that um, I kind of got reminded last week that my friend Todd um, who I've mentioned a lot on my ego show and uh, probably a lot on here as well, but he was one of my best friends is, is, you know, is still a very close friend, um, from Corinth, Mississippi. He had this record store in my hometown called Top Shelf Records, which, you know, was this beacon of cultural light for me and my best friend Cody, who, you know, went there every single day and made very close friends with Todd there and, you know, discovered, thousands of films. I mean, he had this seven movies for seven days for $7 deal, which is just like unbelievable. So we, we would go there and we would do that back to back to back. We would rent seven movies each. And then on the third day or fourth day, we'd switch so that in seven days, we'd both watch 14 movies. And we did that for months. And we also, you know, bought CDs there and bought vinyls there and listened to new, new songs there and played concerts there. We were, we were really a tight crew. And during that time, Todd started inviting Cody and myself to go to Memphis with him and see concerts. And those trips to Memphis, now those were the bomb, man. Like, you know, going to, that's like the, that was like the most fun that a teenager can have from a small town, you know, without getting into like an unhealthy direction with like alcohol or drugs or something, you know, like Todd was a very, um, responsible, you know, clean cut dude. And it was a great opportunity for me as a teenager to have him as a friend because he never led me down any wrong paths at all. He was always very supportive and he never, um, you know, he, he just never did anything wrong or, 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 you know, I think I should specify that he's quite a bit older than me. I never really felt that way about it, but now that I look back, um, you know, having him be, I'm, I'm trying to think of how much older, maybe it's like 15 years or so, or 10 years. I'm not, um, I'll have to ask him. Maybe it's like 10, 10 or 12 years older than me. I'm not sure. But when you're, you know, when you're like 17 and someone's in their, you know, mid thirties or a little earlier thirties then you know, for, for you, it's much older, but man, I'm really confusing you. What I'm trying to say is at the, like, he is technically older than me, but at the time that didn't mean anything. And I didn't think about that ever. And I was so lucky to have an older friend like that to take me on these kinds of trips and show me a good time without, um, there being like any, uh, you know, like if you hang out with people who are like two or three years older than you, they might like offer you a joint or offer you alcohol and that can lead you down wrong paths. And I had my mistakes as a teenager doing things like that. 
Um, but Todd was one of those friends who was like really responsible and really cool. And it was good to have him because he was like this pure friend who was just like, look, we can go listen to some fantastic music. Do you want to go? And Cody and I would go all the time to Memphis with him. We went to see, um, we went to, I think it's unfortunately closing now, but the legendary venue, the high tone, we went there so many times and, you know, he introduced us to all these amazing, um, Memphis legends, you know, like, you know, Jack and the Oblivions, the Oblivions and, uh, Jay Retard and, um, you know, we saw, oh man, I think we saw Built to Spill there. We saw, um, I mean, it's going to drive me crazy to think of all the bands we saw there. I can't remember them right now, but we saw a lot of great stuff in the high tone and at other venues there. And, uh, also, I think we went to Nashville together. Yeah, we went to Nashville. Maybe we saw a built to spill in Nashville. I'm not sure, but we saw a lot of great stuff in Nashville and Memphis and um, those trips together, like us three and even just us two were so amazing. And got, we always listened to the best music, the best road trip music there, ate the best food. You know, we had like, we had this great Memphis barbecue and uh, burgers and just saw great concerts and then came back, you know, we would drive, I don't know how long it is from Corinth to Memphis, you know, over an hour or more. Maybe it's like hour and a half, hour 40. We would go see the concert and then come back the same night. And it was really like a lot of effort for him to work, you know, so much and then drive that late and drive me home or drive me to my car or whatever. But he did it. And, um, I wish I would have had more money at the time to you know, give him like proper gas money or buy him food or something. I don't think I ever really had any money to pay him back properly for doing that for me. But it was really, it was some really important memories for me and very important experiences for me as a young kid. And um, I think about that a lot. I love those old Memphis trips with Todd and Cody and, you know, going to Shangri-La Records as well. It's where I got my first vinyl. I think I got the Arcade Fire funeral vinyl. That wasn't my first one. My first ones were from Top Shelf, but... Um, like just my, maybe my first one that I went to Memphis to buy, but just, I just remember like picking it up in the store and learning about all these musical legends from him and hearing all these old Memphis stories and going to the zoo and, you know, it gave me a connection to that city that I don't think I would have gotten through my, through my grandparents and stuff. It wasn't the same feeling and it made me kind of love Memphis for that. And of course, appreciate Todd a lot. And, uh, that friendship still, um, of course I wish I saw him every day, just like I did when I was in high school, but, um, we still talk pretty often and I'm thankful for whatever I can get because he's an incredible person. And, uh, so is Cody Hopper. So I hope these guys are doing well and I hope they're happy. Um, I think I might just wrap it up right there. Oh, one thing I will say is one one place I really hope to visit again soon with my whole family would be St. George Island off of the coast of Florida. Because we went there a few years back, and what a vacation that was. I loved it. I loved it. I loved being on that beach, and it was so chill. I mean, the crazy thing was like everyone would sit under this tent in, in these lounge chairs, you know, sand between our toes and, 
you know, have some, have some cold beers, you know, at like 11 or whatever, and just eat the whole day and just swim. And it was so great. And then my brother and my cousin, Trisha would sit just outside the tent in the direct sunlight the entire day and just roast like pigs, like just roast. You could just feel their skin sizzling and they would sit there and drink white wine out of a cup and just sizzle and burn all day long every day. It was so crazy to me to see that. And my family was so chill. They were so like the anti um, moving type on this vacation, which, hey, understandable. Um, that whenever me and uh, Ify and I don't know, my brother, my cousin, whatever, would go for a walk, so, like we would drive, I don't know, like 10 minutes somewhere, find some little trail, just walk for half an hour and then come back, like literally nothing, you know, just a very small thing. We were known as like the adventurers, you know, like the scouts, you know, the, the, the pioneers, just cause we just like walk, wanted to walk around a little bit and then come back and chill. And the evenings were always so much fun. Uh, my mom would always go to this, um, cool little tiki hut bar, sit on these stools and get herself a good old fashioned Mai Tai. <laughs> and I can't wait to do that again with her. Oh man. We, we ordered, I think we ordered every single cocktail that they made there. They had Mai Tais and Pina Coladas and Sex on the Beach and um, Long Island iced tea and, and everything, everything you can imagine. And it was so fun. And then there was like some other, other more like trashier bars, like country bars that I went with my cousin and my brother and stuff like after hours, <laughs> after hours, and that was also fun too. And it was just a good time. You know, it was just cool to be on that sunny beach every day, see new people. Again, that that new food, new smell, new environment feeling. The house we stayed in was super cool. Um, this big house, plenty of space for everybody. The only downside, of course, was that sand got literally everywhere. Literally everywhere. Had sand on top of sand on top of sand in there. It was terrible. In the sheets. Ugh. Ugh. But maybe that's preventable next time. Anyway, very, very fun trip. And I just want to remind you guys at the end that we'll come back. And I hope that everyone's doing well. Thank you for listening. Um, hopefully feel better soon, Mo. We love you. We miss you. And we hope to um, have him back on for next week, but, um, you know, no promises. Let's just keep our fingers crossed. Otherwise I'll try and be here for you as always. And, um, I think we did it. I think we did an okay show. So thank you again so much for listening. Um, you can always follow us. We have, um, you know, some video clips and things on Instagram now at artsy fartsy immigrants. We have a YouTube channel, and we have uh, Twitter and um, Facebook and everything like that. So you can go ahead and follow us. We're going to start putting up new content soon. And otherwise, um, yeah, thank you for listening. Much love. My name is Jordan Prince. This is Artsy Fartsy Immigrants. And we will see you next week. Look out, baby. The saints are coming Artsy Farsi Immigrants, ein Podcast von John Prince und Moritz Batscheider, produziert für M94.5.